and welcome to the Hear Me Media podcast. I am championing no name but my own, and I'm joined by Frank. Frank, how are you doing? Hello, Leon. I am trying to figure things out, but people people keep saying I'm going to turn bad for some reason. Like you're not you. I'm I'm doing fine. Just let me be. I'm not going to turn bad. I promise. Can I get a? Can I get what is a self fulfilling prophecy for one hundred? <laughs> no, okay. I don't know how Jeopardy works. That's Jeopardy, right? Anyway, I think so. We are talking about. Uh, we are continuing, continuing uh, through a certain franchise, and our old pal Bioware. Uh, we are talking about Dragon Age, the second Woo! one, Dragon Age the two. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good that we're continuing, but I wasn't exactly sure how to react to that game. People don't like that <laughs> game very much. Yeah, well, this was around the same time. I believe this came out before Mass Effect Three, so like it. Um, um, this one and Mass Effect Three really, like you know, like uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, amusing the rest fact. Is history. Amusing fact. Uh, in the <laughs> whenever you launch Dragon Age Two, still. It shows up. Oh, the the demo for Mass Effect Three launching in the great when the great great launch of twenty twelve now available to be played. And I'm like, yes, indeed, haven't we? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I Dragon love these Age kinds of Three things. even. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, not even Inquisition. That's uh, that's nice. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So let's just get the painfulness out of the way. Um, yes. Uh, fuck Bioware. <laughs> so oh, Bioware always. recently. Uh, well, once again. I, I don't know if it's Bioware or if it's their parent company EA or probably a very bad, horrible cocktail of both. Yes. Um, recently, they let go a bunch of workers for no apparently good reason whatsoever. And those workers might go on strike. As of the time of recording, there were some agreements on to do a strike, but the strike hasn't officially commenced. Yeah. So with that in mind, please... Uh, just keep an eye on that and do not buy this game. No, don't. Do not buy, do, don't support Bioware until that situation is resolved. We we had some debates behind the scenes about, oh, should we do an episode on this? Should we not do an episode on this? And we trust on your own rationale and your own like quality of the character of the listener uh, to, not, <laughs> to not give them <laughs> money at this point in time. We yeah. are also not going to be... Uh, we're going to get into it. But uh, yeah, there are some things that, well, at the end of the journey, as we don't know yet, because we are, we are about to record, but at the end of the journey, it's very likely that um, we do not walk away uh, bloodless, so to speak. Uh, we we might like uh, hamper your enjoyment and probably not function towards urging you to buy this game or spend any money on Bioware any near time in the future. So yeah, so once please uh, consume responsibly. Uh, oh please, that's, that's that. Yeah, uh, for um, now. To to add to that, I, I uh, we're we're gonna. I'm not entirely sure whether we're gonna be able to get into some of the mechanical stuff to it, but there are plenty of reasons not to play this game from a mechanical standpoint, much less everything we're gonna talk about. So yeah, yeah um, treat this as if we're talking about something that's like we don't really like. We definitely do not endorse. Uh, you know the the company involved, but uh, yeah, it's it's a piece of media that is somewhat significant and is a part of Dragon Age series, and uh, 
yeah, we're going to talk about it. It's worth talking about, even if it is. It has some yeah. very interesting staging points for fantasy. It has a lot of... Within it, it contains a lot of interesting... How do we say this? Elements that I think, um, if you look at them critically, can be found in a lot of other subpar fantasy franchises. True. Uh, series, whatever you, you would want me to call it. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah... So I think it's worthwhile talking about uh, because of those things. Yeah. So I will very quickly, because it's one of those games, uh, the long lore, <laughs> I, I will very quickly now commence with a monologue to catch you a little bit up and set the, set the stage as it were for this episode and mm -hmm. the piece of media that we're discussing. <clears throat> so let me start off with saying that if you want a more full and broad indication of the world of Thedas, which is the world in which the game takes place, you should listen to our first episode on Dragon Age, which is yeah. episode 17 of Heavy Media. I will zoom in on the brass tacks of what we predominantly will be talking about. There are three factions you need to understand. The first is Kunari. Think D&D Dragonborn meets D&D Goliath. Big, scary, <laughs> and horns. Some of them, at least. There you go. You're, you're caught up. That's, that's the Kunari. <laughs> they are shipwrecked and stranded in Kirkwall, the location of our game. It's a city. There you go. We don't leave the city, except for the DLC. But we probably won't be talking about the DLC very much, uh, I yeah. think. At least I won't. You feel free to go off, Frank. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where this journey takes us. <laughs> they seek a thing, the Kunari. We will talk about it. But mm -hmm. they can't leave without a thing. The thing yeah. is very important. All you need to know is that they are rigid authoritarians. In the way that, like, the West understands authoritarianism, which is essentially everything the West doesn't like. We will get into that notion on a different episode, <laughs> I think. I don't know yet which, but yeah, from a political science point of view, I have deep qualms with the with the terminology or the word, not terminology, but the word that is authoritarianism. But that's not a hint of there. Oh boy. Um, this authoritarianism, quote unquote, once again, very, very, very sarcastic quotes. Um, this derives from their religion, political science both yeah. under on, on top of each other on a blanket pretending to be one big ghost i don't know uh <laughs> but that's that's kunari then there are the mages and the templars they have a relation with each they have a relationship with each other mages function very much like the x-men a bad metaphor for oppressed people where we give the oppressed people superpowers because that's how death works <laughs> which sadly is the case here as well yeah, We will get more into that continuing this episode. Um, but then there's the Templars, which is the militant arm of the Chantry. The Chantry is not Christianity. Think yeah. medieval Catholicism. There you go. It's that. Only instead of a patriarchy, it's a matriarchy. Uh, or rather, women are more important than men. Uh, they, they can't be a man-pope, so to speak. Mm -hmm. There is uh, the Divine, which is maybe <laughs> blasphemous, actually, the title, but okay. Uh, which is essentially woman-pope. There you go. Yeah. Um, they, the Templars guard uh, and, if need be, kill. Well, sometimes the mages escape in which they hunt down and then kill mages. Although uh, there is one other form of punishment, which is magical lobotomy. It's, yeah. it's just that. Uh, in the yeah. game, it's called being made tranquil. We will henceforth refer to it as such, but think literal magical lobotomy. Yeah. The Templars facilitate this through snorting magic shit called lyrium 
Uh, I say snort because they literally get addicted, and that's like an element in the next game. So we'll get to that <laughs> the next game more so. Insert our main protag, Hawk. He's a refugee from Ferelden, the location of our first game. He meets up with a dwarf called Farrick. They go into the underground, which is called the Deep Roads, but it's just underground. And there are roads. Deep roads. And they find a different kind of lyrium. Red lyrium. Normal lyrium is blue. He then rises to fame and riches. The tensions between the mages and Templar increase. Mages are scary, but they are extra scary when they do blood magic, in which they utilize the po uh, power of demons from the other side, which is called the Fade. But don't worry about that. First, we got to get rid of the violent foreigners. You do not... <laughs> Fuck. You do You're right, that... though. That's the you bad do... part. You're right. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. It's fine. You do that, and now you're a champion. Yay! And, whoa-oh, the mage Templar tea kettle is about to combust. The Templars suspect the mages from being all bad and not worthy of being treated as a human being. There are technically elves as well and humans, but you know what I mean. Eventually, you have to pick a side. The game both sides the issue by making a bunch of characters do blood magic for no fucking reason. Except for yeah. one storyline, which we will talk about. Eventually, the game makes you witness a terrorist act of a mage who had enough of being oppressed. Those silly oppressed people just go crazy and do stuff like that, didn't you know? Anyway, <laughs> they blow up what's essentially cathedral with a couple of people in there. The final clash begins between the two groups, and the game ends in a weird inconclusion, but implies further consequences in the next game. There you go. You're all caught up. <laughs> that's, uh, we, that's we all are. Into. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a very good summary. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. That's, you, thank the, you. that's the, 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 the raw matter that we're going to mold and shape as we talk about the game. And yes. um, I like that you set up some of the, you know, the historical parallel that we're obviously going to make because uh, it's pretty damn convenient to be talking about this game now. Yeah, yeah, there, there's definitely some of that going on. Yeah, Christ, okay. Well, we will get to that. Uh, we will. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything you would like to get into first. Um, uh, I, I mean, for starters, I think, like, this is... Dragon Age 2, a lot this, to, at least to, like, uh, have, like, a setup. Dragon Age 2 is a lot, a lot smaller game than the first one. It is all about the city. It's all about Kirkwall. And what happens to the people in Kirkwall. And, you know, the sense is that, like, oh, everything's happening here, but the consequences will spell out in the next game. And that's where we are. But most of the time, we're talking about a single city, the people on there, the power structure, the forces involved, and uh, everything going wrong and worse and more terribly. Uh, <laughs> notably, this game does not have a happy ending. It ends pretty depressingly whatever you d choose or act um it's a bridge game uh it's an interesting game there's a lot of bad stuff there and um i think the both sides thing will be one of the things that at least it marked how i ended up seeing the game at the end and one of the things that we're going to talk about but uh yeah no that's these are just my opening lines <laughs> Yeah, um, we mentioned this very quickly on the Pentiment episode with Good Friend Holly. Yeah. Uh, we complimented the game Pentiment because it utilized a singular location in a very interesting and good way. Yeah. This game... Ah, um, 
So there's a couple of problems here. Uh, <laughs> Pentiment wasn't a sequel. That. The problem that comes along with that is that in the first one, we, uh, we like I said, we, it takes place in Ferelden, which is an entire kingdom. Uh, think of, if you haven't listened to that episode, think Ferelden is fantasy England. There you go. Done. Yeah. Um, yes, it's just, they have, they have dogs over there that like dogs. Um, they talk like Englishmen and they are like opposed. On, uh, they're not divided by a channel of sea, but, or a pond or whatever the fuck they want to call it. They are defined by a mountain range from not France, so it's <laughs> all not important. Anyway, but that is, uh, even though the space was very limited in that game, you do feel, like, you really feel like, um, cro- like going all over the place in Ferelden. You go to the yeah. human capital, you go to the trees where, the, of course, the elves live. You go underground where, of course, the dwarves live, and so forth and so on. Uh, they even have a William the Conqueror in uh, Ferelden. <laughs> so, but it's we not do. called William the Conqueror, it's like uh-huh, Theron something, I don't know. Not important. But yeah, it's it's just one city. But play, playing in one city doesn't necessarily have to be bad, even if your previous game was across an entire continent. Because you can make one city feel large. And yeah. the intricacies that are going on there are also, once again, uh, can be very poignant. There's another problem, namely that... Uh, the ending of Dragon Age Origins is very climactic. You essentially yeah. beat back the great big evil the world has to offer. So <laughs> when EA said, hey, let's make another game, you can hardly be like, whoa, there's another big bad evil. I mean, they could have done that, but then all the choices you make at the end for like the next game, uh, which is kind of what the promise was from Dragon Age Origins, don't make a lot of sense anymore then because the problem is that like oh another big bad evil in this world it takes like a couple centuries or like it takes a lot at least a long while before that pops up again um the big bad is called an arch demon not important don't worry about it <laughs> but um it takes a while and so i guess you could have like you know discarded that whole setting and all the characters and like go into the future but uh they wanted to make you you know um, interact with these characters that you have already found or like interact with this timeline that you have somewhat influenced um, yeah and yeah uh, this still could this, this still, still feels a bit anticlimactic to be a dude in a city yay you're just a guy now um, which is fine I don't mind it all that much but it does feel odd in my opinion I don't know how you feel I I think the the worst thing is that, it, that the fact that it is all in the city it works against the how the combat works in this game which makes it a pretty annoying experience to have to go through all of these places uh, in the various regions of the city and what very little out of the city places we get I I feel like those work against one another because you don't want to go do all that and and fight so many more enemies but also you have to, and thus it, it, navigating the city isn't as fun. It's something. I I like it in principle, and, you know, Pentiment works. Pentiment makes it work really well. This game, I almost want to like it, but I don't think it succeeds with that. Yeah, the, the advantage that Pentiment has is that it is narrative first, second, and third. 
Yeah. It's a stage front and center, so to speak. So it can build that. It can let a narrative seep into every single building person that's in that village. Yeah. A city, whatever it's called, whatever it is. And I don't know. I, ah, I, <laughs> this, this, this definitely must have had a larger budget. So there's also that. Anyway, we're not going to compare Pentiment with this game too much because I don't think it's, <laughs> it, the comparison has already served its function. So we're gonna, I'm going to move yeah. on from it. Of course. And um, sorry, Frank. <laughs> no. But, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't help either that one of the lovelier features um, that I still love about Dragon Age Origins, namely the origins. Uh, you can pick an origins yeah. in Dragon Age Origins. What a, what a concept. Um <laughs> You uh, so you can like choose: are you an elf, are you a dwarf, are you whatever the fuck, and what kind of background do you have? Which I love because once again we are mixing, uh, social stuff with like gender and uh, ethnic, quote unquote. Once again, we we keep running into this problem. I keep feeling <laughs> very uncomfortable. Uh, feel very comfortable talking about all of this. By the way, <laughs> about old fantasy race, species, ethnicity stuff. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think they deal with it very well. Yeah, this is yeah. one of those games that doesn't deal with it very well, but it, I've I've seen so much worse at the same time. So, I'm I'm you can't see me, dear listener, but I'm giving a very proverbial shrug here. Um, <laughs> it's it's the best I'm gonna do for now. I'm so sorry, but yeah, um, you had, but at least it was interesting from a role playing perspective. Exactly. You could choose your background: highborn, lowborn, city elf, uh, wild elf, whatever it's called. I don't know, Dalish. They're called. That's a name. We don't have time for it. Um, it's, it's, and uh, for those who have not heard listened to any of our Bioware episodes, the defining feature of a Bioware game is your uh, companions, mm-hmm. and we will talk about some companions. Definitely not all of them. Yeah, um, at least I'm not. Frank can go right ahead, but I'm not going to do it. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll get to that, as as Holly pointed out uh, to, uh, to us. We'll get to that. Oh yeah. So you, they stripped the feature of uh, the background creation and it's you're just a guy you're a dude you're a human you're you're a human person you can still decide woman or man guy or gal guy or gal yes um <laughs> and yeah that that's it i once again i have this odd relationship and i don't know how you feel about it but i feel like i can be fine with being stripped of choice if you give me a more intense and deeper, quote-unquote, narrative experience. Um, for instance, I didn't mind that I couldn't be a woman in Pentiment. Ha! See? I, I made Pentiment relevant again. Okay. Hey. My, my point, you know, like, whatever. I don't mind that Geralt cannot be a woman. Um, don't I, though? Anyway, I, what I'm trying to say is that it's I don't mind having a more constraint and rather narrower path uh, narrative pathways that are more rich richer and deeper in their execution so i don't mind that sacrifice does um i i i don't uh sorry i was i was asking you what do you think about that Uh, let's let's do that first my apologies (laughs) you're fine no i i i agree i i agree entirely and i i think like it needs to be for a good reason, right? It needs to serve what is going to happen well, right? Like, oh, a, a specific connection to this world, a a particular preference or, or 
you know, history with one group or then another, and that knowledge, like, affecting how you act, how you can act, or how can you not act. I think that is a really interesting way to restrict, the, or to, like, uh, both restrict and open up, right? Like, you could have good reasons for, like, okay, you give this many options, and these options will affect how you interact, how you act or not. Or you restrict in order to make it worthwhile, right? Like, it's restricted in order to tell this particular part of the story. The problem about uh, most Bioware games as well, and their storylines, is that they us they're usually pretty much the same, which is a pretty obvious hero's journey. That you, you know, you're, you rise from nothing and become the greatest hero. But again, this one is a lot more self-contained, so it's not the greatest hero in the world, you're not saving the world, but you're still pretty much, you become the best person in the city at the end of the day. Or the worst, yeah. I guess. But yeah. it's still... You know, it, it, it's the same kind of story, but you have less elements to uh, interact yourself. The choices, the scheming of choices as well is reduced to a more like clearer kind of triple or quadruple alignment, something like that. And that gets worse for Inquisition. Like, it, it stays kind of the same. I don't know. It's, it's a reduction of choice for not that good a payoff. I think that's pretty much the reason. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I will get into um, how do we say this? Um, I, the reason why, of course, it is as lackluster as it is, is the fact that Dragon Age Origins uh, came out on November second, two thousand nine, and had a long run of DLC afterwards. Remember, two thousand nine, November. Dragon Age Two came out March eight, two thousand eleven. Damn. So, yeah, precisely. Damn. So, with, from that Heinz, from that perspective, pretty impressive game. Oh, <laughs> I'm not definitely. gonna lie. <laughs> like that's not that's not even a year and a half. Like, no. and that's 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 not even counting the once again the long the the slew of like the, of Dragon Age Awakenings, which is like the DLC for Dragon Age Origins, which yeah. is large, uh, and like quite dense, I would say, for DLC, especially for that time. Agree. So it's funny how time goes because four years after Dragon Age 2, uh, The Witcher 3 came out. <laughs> and like, it's just really funny how like these two things uh, like look like night and day or not even close. Like those four years, like from beginning of 2000, from, uh, from the beginning of 2010 up to halfway through the tens, so to speak, is tremendous. Like, night and day difference for video games i would say that's yeah. that's one of the more important developmental eras of video games i would argue that's beside the point for now <laughs> but uh maybe we'll do a history of a video games episode one day i don't know but besides that incredibly short development time from that perspective very impressive oh yeah um uh, i will say the soul of a bioware game is still there yeah uh fun times five fun fantasy hijinks with with interesting, quote-unquote, interesting characters. <laughs> sure. Um, definitely for its time, I still think they were quite decent. Yeah. Um, there were character uh, RPGs with, uh, you know, like a little bit before this time period, in the more older times, like the Baldur's Gate and the, um, once again, the ones that we already talked about, uh, <laughs> Knights of the Old Republic and like a bunch of those games. 
uh, Vampire the Masquerade, I would say, and and so on and so on. And I don't know. Uh, I would say so. <laughs> it's impressive enough that at least will I go back to it? Yeah, probably not. Probably never. Um, I don't recommend it. Yeah. So, but at the time I had fun with it. I was like, oh well. It's no longer an RPG. It's a character beat em up, and I'm fine with that. Like I don't know. Yeah. I back in the day, I really liked this universe. Um, <laughs> needless to say, I I've grown out of it a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's very easy to do if the game, uh, the last game in a series, is like ten years old. So uh, I believe it's ten. No, no, wait. Dragon Age Inquisition came out just fourteen. Sounds right? about right. Uh, yeah, since fourteen, so three three years after this one, so almost ten years, almost ten years, almost there. <laughs> I think it might be time for us to 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 get to the very meat of what we've been thinking about, uh, in terms of sure. uh, yeah, Dragon Age two. Yeah, go ahead. <sighs> so, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the canary in a moment, but I because I think okay. it's significant, but I. You know, the big one, and it's the the one the game chooses to end on, is the Mages versus Templars debacle, pretty much, right? Yeah. <sighs> okay, so the thing about the Mages and the Templars is that the Templars effectively decide, rule, and control the Mages. Because as a Mage, if you're a Mage in the continent, or the broader continent of Thedas... Um, not just Ferelden, not just Kirkwall, but the broader area, uh, you you need to be part of a circle. And the circle is like, oh, the local mage guild. Think it in those terms. However, uh, if you're not part of a circle, you're an apostate, which means you need to be hunted down and brought into a circle or killed. Uh, because the thing about mages is apparently mages can do blood magic and become evil. Uh, and uh, because of that, they need to be put under a leash. And the Templars hold that leash. So we're talking about a group that is oppressed and controlled by another group. And uh, we are asked to choose between them as if they're equal. And yeah, and the game... No, th- that's one thing. And that's okay. The game can, can do that. But the problem is that the game keeps giving enough reason to the Templars. It's like, yeah, no, these uh, these guard dog assholes who basically hold all the power, they're, you know, they're half right because, you know, you pressure the mages like these. Yeah, they will all turn to blood magic. However, they, again, it doesn't make any sense because you you kind of choose. It's like it, it, it's never, it's rarely ever forced. Um and when it's forced, it's under specific circumstances and very particular side quests, both in Origins and in 2. And <laughs> and yet every single one is like, yeah, no, I'm going to do this. And it's like, because it never, it doesn't achieve anything. Like, except for the example, again, we'll talk about in a moment. But everywhere <laughs> else, it achieves no purpose. You're basically like, oh, you become an abomination. That's what they call it. But pretty much, you become like this mishmash creature that goes berserk and will kill anything so you put them all down and it's like why it's like why why would you do this again this serves no point are you a fucking imbecile um and then it's like oh no see that the templars are right 
uh, yeah, maybe they shouldn't be pressuring them, but if they do, right, right, like they clearly they don't have any control or whatnot. It's terrible, it's fucking terrible. It's yeah. Go, go, my friend. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Yeah. No, no. You're fine. That's that's. Uh, I would say uh, just to specify a tiny bit more. Um, the Chantry, which is which are the ones technically in charge mm. of the mages. They rule about well. They are the dominant uh, uh, religion in about, like, well, as they are called in the Great Inquisition, the divine rules half a continent, Liara says. And mm. I don't necessarily agree with that fully, but there's nothing <laughs> out there. Uh, a lot of people, like, at, at least one third, I would say. Mm. And, uh, and but it's a large area. Why? Because the time we have spent in the three games have all been in this uh, region that is de facto Chantry. Yeah. And so technically the Chantry rules the mages. It's just the Templar that ruthlessly enforce those rules without any qualms or quarter given, so to speak. And that's bad. Uh, they Well, once again, just like how your local councilman might uh, make up laws, it is the police that uh, ruthlessly enforce those laws and they have little to no uh, there's no check, there's no system of checks and balances there, uh, much like I have to say, p- uh, police in a, a bunch of different countries, if not all countries, uh, they get away with horrendous shit. They are uh, I forgot what the English word is, but they are enabled to do so. They are believed in court much more eagerly and much more easily, and they are backed up by very powerful institutions. Yeah, and this is exactly the case for our Templars. Um, <laughs> They they uh they they are they are much more fun in D and D, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But um, sorry, that's paladins, not templars. I'm an idiot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but besides that, it's that these templars, we are forced to feel, <laughs> to be made to feel some kind of sympathy with them. Um, why I I don't know. Because it seems to be like, oh, well, we clearly want to do the narrative in which na- na- mages are oppressed. But, ah, fuck, we forgot that we are an RPG. So we got to both sides it. And like, no, I don't mind being a, a, a bad person in a video game. I love that as a second playthrough. Uh, second playthrough, dear listener, second one. Uh, <laughs> it's a very important note there. I love a good RPG that just allows you to be a horrible person. Yeah. Um, there are, of course, things that we should be very careful with in which we allow people to be horrible with. Especially if they are very thinly filled political narratives. <laughs> but um, but, but okay, that's a discussion maybe for another time. Uh, maybe the next one even. But uh, maybe. Uh, I mean, the next uh, uh, Bioware installment, if there's, if there's going to be such a thing. But um, yeah, sorry. So... All, all, all of what I'm trying to say here is that exactly like Frank says, like, um, it's this narrative of blood magic, uh, or rather, mages can be susceptible to demons always, um, and blood magic kind of has a more high risk, a high reward semblance to it, um, but it's definitely like a scare tactic, um. It doesn't seem to be all that common because every mage we meet so far 
is not a blood mage, and every mage we meet is already blood maging before we meet them, I believe. Yeah. I'm quite... And with one, one of, with with one very interesting exception to that. Um, I do we want to do we want to get into Meryl right now, or do uh, we feel like we? I I feel like we might save her for later. I feel yeah, like probably. Probably. I have a lot to say about Meryl. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I didn't think I would, but I I, <laughs> I do I do definitely do, and for good reason. I think that's like the next logical conclusion, right? Because, like the the. There are many things in this game no. that are both sides uh, in a terribly frustrating liberal manner because it's like, uh, yeah, no, these oppressed people are terrible, but uh, oh, look what they can do. Uh, no, yeah, actually, they're, they're captors, controllers, all that. They they have some sense. They're not all bad, right? Uh, if you have to do that, then um, yeah, it's institutionally bad. So no, they're, they're all terrible, yes. Uh, that's how it works. And it's too bad because I feel like Dragon Age Origins navigated this issue far from perfect, but mm-hmm. at least with a lot more nuance and subtlety and definitely like presented the world as is. Yeah. And was like, well, you make the decision then. And yeah. this very much tries to push a very awkward and uh, malformed narrative. I would argue regarding the mages, it, it takes like a couple steps back. I would argue, from the more nuanced takes we saw in Dragon Age Origins and Awakenings. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right, but I, and I think it's precisely because of that liberal point. Yeah. That's like, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're oppressed, but no, not like this. Um, you know, which um. <laughs> I don't want to say that again that a, a version of Dragon Age Two where uh, the Templars are purely correct would be uh, would be better, but there would be a sense of commitment, right? It's like yeah, no, th- this is the narrative, this is what it is, and period, handle it. Uh, whereas in Dragon Age Two, what we get is like yeah, but also, but yeah, they're oppressed and they're kind of right, but uh, you know, and yeah, they're. They're pretty awful, they're oppressors, but but also they're kind of right, so I don't know. It's so frustrating, because it almost feels like, yeah, you could, but you can't. And um, given that the every ending in this game is terrible, uh, for narrative reasons, like it's it's always depressing and sad, it, it feels it's like, yeah, yeah, you're fucked, it's all fucked, doesn't matter, nothing, it can't end well, and it's like, yeah, fuck you, game, actually, um, for making a poor storyline out of it. Yeah. Um, I feel we will circle right back around that, but before that all happens, there's something other, something else that also happens before that that's equally unpleasant, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where we talk about... That's where we talk about my, my favorite race, my favorite people in this universe, uh, the Kunari. Yeah, um, the because they at least they're interesting, at least they they steer seemingly at first, um, despite me comparing them to uh, the D and D races, they are at least somewhat interesting. I would argue. Yeah, and that's that they once again 
they have a very interesting philosophy and like yay finally a fucking philosophy finally some like <laughs> you know like some insight finally uh, yeah like some culture some some something some like actual somethingness uh to the otherwise vague and like weak sloppy inserted mess that we usually get in fantasy fiction true and yeah no and i <laughs> do i like always what i see um no i don't think everything was very well put together at all times but at least it was an attempt you know it was it was something and i i don't know how, how do you feel about the kunari let's let's start off with you i really like the kunari <laughs> i think it's exactly as you said right like they are so a lot of people actually were given time opportunity and you know wanted to create like a proper like culture and socio-political beliefs and and faith and religion and you know try and say okay how would these people act what do they think and they're not evil mostly kinda we'll, we'll get to that but <laughs> but the point is that like they have the their ways right like they have their beliefs their actions their cultures and if you as a you know a player and, and a character try to take the time to understand them you will get a more interesting story with them. Like, it'll be more interesting. It'll make more sense. It'll function better. And, you know, that's, I think, what you want in, like, a video game or any, you know, piece of media or culture. like, if you offer... It's a poor way to look at it, but, like, you offer more interest and a better reward for closer engagement. That's like, yeah, no, if you take the time to look at this and to pay attention and to act... um as you know they they do and, and try to understand why they do these things then you get a better story out of it then you get a better experience out of it and i think the kunari definitely are we know know a little bit out of them from the very first game and it's oh well, you we have stan exactly our boy stan our boy stan the best uh, i love stan, stan. <laughs> and, and we get some some good insight but then we're talking about like just a individual so that he's not in this that stronger position of power as we see kunari in this game so we get like some insight we get some information he doesn't share all that much but in this game we get like a, a, a sort of functioning of the kunari as like an organized society and that's interesting but then but then the game two sides it again huzzah well I feel like, uh, okay, so we we uh we can do both sides. We 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 can do that, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> as, there's gonna be a lot a lot of legwork, um, with uh, it, that would require a lot of legwork, a lot of good legwork. Yeah, uh, a lot of build up, a lot of a lot of interesting. Um, once again, we need a sociological lens, we need a psychological lens, individual and uh, communal one, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And those need to be play out against each other a little bit. Am I a fan of that? Uh, <laughs> usually not really, but am I a fan of that because... Am I not a fan of that because I've seen it go wrong so many times? Or am I not a fan of that because there's just... Is that, is that just my subjective opinion? Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, moving yeah. on. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, once again, I like it. I'm a lot more forgiving towards, like, storylines like Song of Ice and Fire in which that this also kind of happens sort of kind of 
or Lord of the Rings, but there's a lot more effort. And they, those are books as well, so they have a lot more space within their medium to do such a thing. Yeah. Uh, that <laughs> that being said, uh, there are there are books of Dragon Age, but that's not we get into that. Uh, not now. I don't really feel I have time to get into those. But um, yeah, no. So the problem then for the Konami mainly is that once again, I like them. Um, they believe in uh, they have a very strong sense of meritocracy. Yeah. And they believe in a radical equality from more of a crude sense that I would like, hence the meritocracy. Mm-hmm. I I do really like, once again, I do really like their philosophies. Um, yeah. Once again, do I agree with them? That's that's different. That's different. Oh, yeah. But I, I love them as an addition, uh, mainly because I'm going to cheat a little bit. And I'm going to talk <laughs> about a Kunari that talks to you in Dragon Age Inquisition, the game that comes after this one. Um, and he says, like, the the leaders are not chosen among the best or not necessarily uh you know the most excellent at a thing but they need to want to lead they need to have this you know this conscious goal and decision making process for leading and i hate people who are like oh we need to uh allow the leaders the, the good leaders are leaders that don't want to lead i'm like ah, wrong uh, I severely disagree with that. I, I hate that so much as a notion. Um, do, should we trust the power-hungry maniacs? Absolutely not. But there's a very extensive broad spectrum between those two binaries. So I <laughs> I don't think... I, I really hate this this narrative that's like, oh, the reluctant leader, because <laughs> I, I don't think that's... It's a nice bedtime story. That's all I'll say about it. Um, <laughs> I don't think it holds water uh, in a more realistic, mundane scenario. And that's something that the Kunari uh, communicate. And their <laughs> um, their governmental structure, their philosophy, and their religion is all called the Kune. Yeah. So it was a bit difficult for me to navigate what exactly was ordained by what. Um, <laughs> I believe the highest organ of authority, of political authority, that is, is are like matriarchs slash priestesses. Mm. They're women. Uh, so, yay! Uh, women don't start wars, right? Anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry. But, um, yeah, so, so, once again, very interesting culture. Um, I don't know about the way that they'll dress, so we'll get into that next next. Uh, if there's going to be next episode on Dragon Age. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay, anyway. Moving on. Um, so <laughs> they 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 have this very... They have this thing that they are looking for. And it turns out that it is a book that's very important to them. Like a very like important religious text. Yeah. And this is apparently stolen by... Isabella. Yeah. One of the romance interests and companions in Dragon Age 2. Do you want to say anything about Isabella? Isabella is a very fun character. She is a pirate, pretty much. Wom- woman Jack Sparrow, yes. <laughs> yeah, true. That's that's very accurate. Um, I hate to be coarse about this, but she is literally Woman Jack Sparrow. She is, uh, which again makes her very entertaining and uh, fun to be around. But, you know, there's 
there's actually some interesting storyline work, at least in the romancing. Um, and, uh, you know, she she stole that for, um, <laughs> was it was it a contract, right? No, I thought it was a text, scripture. No, no, but it like, was like a tome, right? You, well, but she she robbed it as like a contract, right? Oh, right. Sorry. Yes. Oh, and um, but she kind of well uh, lost it. Uh, yeah. Whoops. Whoops. And now everything's going to shit because of that, or things aren't getting any better. And you know when when you when you eventually find it, she uh she does a runaway. Yeah. That got me the first time around. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so kudos on Bioware for doing that. That was interesting narrative momentum there. That was. Um, yeah, instant character equation, I would say as well. But um, it's, um, yeah. Uh, but but she returns when, when things reach their climax. If, and, if you're nice, I think. Yeah, well, if you have a good relationship with her. Yeah. And... I, I just want to very quickly say about Isabella because we need to say this about Isabella. Um, I I suppose I in some odd way begrudgingly admire Dragon Age 2 because Isabella is a character that I should not like and shun Bioware for. But I kind of like her. Um, <laughs> I What I mean with that is that we have, we have like, you know, uh, the, the way Isabella looks, I, go Google her, dear listener. Um, hmm. Isabella Dragon Age. And you will see, like, a dark-skinned woman that is very promiscuous. And, like, because, of course, she is, yikes. Yeah. Um, and is very curvaceous and, and, like, has that has that body type trademark. And uh, wears a, a leather jerkin skirt... And that if she is at the wrong angle at any time, I can see what she I can see what she has had for breakfast. So Oof. it's like it's <laughs> sorry, I don't know how else to uh, how else to summarize that. Um, it's it's at least very little to the imagination. There you go. That's that's maybe better. But my point being is that I I kind of like her. I don't know. Yeah. It's and the game does present like an alternative to that. The other companion, uh, the other woman romance option, the more bookish, uh, introverted, uh, shut-in uh, Meryl, who yeah. is a woman elf. I don't know if you have any thoughts about Meryl. Oh, Mer- Meryl's really interesting um, for, for a bunch of reasons, and I, I think she... Among, well, one of the things that I think they do her well uh, in that game is that like she's portrayed quite a lot, or, or thought of by a lot of characters, like Oh, she's naive. She doesn't know what she's doing. And at one point in the narrative, they kind of do that stronger, and I hate it for it. But a lot of the time, like, oh, they treat her like that. But it's like, yeah, no, uh, that's that's not right. She knows what she's doing, and she knows why she's doing that. So yeah, she isn't. I I remember a particular, you know, like one of those idle conversations that can happen between companions, between one of like the she like she becomes guard captain and it's like strong uh, strong woman strong woman in power and police <laughs> that's Evelyn right that's Evelyn um, yeah. and, and Evelyn send, says something to, to Meryl that's like you know I like you but you're quite stupid um, it's like why don't you do this this and that and it's like and, and then Meryl replies basically like that's actually the opposite of what I'm trying to do who's stupid 
Uh, and it, it's like it, exactly that. It's like the people aren't taking the time to listen to her or pay attention, and they're coming up with wrong conclusions or wrong ideas. And she's like, "Yeah, I know what I'm doing. I know the reasons I'm doing that." And I think that's actually pretty damn cool. That's that's nicely done, up until the end of her storyline where they double back on everything. Anyway, well, yeah, I, I will get to that. I will just say like those are the two uh, romanceable woman uh, uh, companions. We're not going to get into every companion. Um, I will get into Enders for a little bit, and that's probably going to be it for me. You can talk about anyone you you want. Yeah, I I I I will probably have to give an honorable mention to Sebastian at one point, the Christian, <laughs> if you want to. Um, it's uh, <laughs> the problem then is that the uh, that Isabella doesn't um, Isabella. This function is very then interesting because we we know which way the wind is blowing in Act Two after you like become a person of note, um, a person of notice uh, because yeah. you once again risk your life going into the deep roads for capital um it's, <laughs> uh, if i had more time i would probably get into that as well but uh, we're already running out of time so um it's <laughs> which they they find the scary lyrium the red lyrium and we will talk Ooh. about that once again next episode hey but uh yeah so sorry dear listener but um but after all that we we see the, the rising tensions between kunari and the established order so to speak yeah. And they are heathens, they are bad, and whatnot. And, well, but they are desperate foreigners. And everyone's like, when are you going to fuck off? And they're like, well, we can't. And like, why can't you? That's none of your fucking business. Well, we know by now that they are after their relic. And it's like, uh, so <laughs> this relic um, has some very hefty, uh, hefty uh, narrative lifting to do here namely yeah. it it substitutes the otherwise very unfortunate message that certain cultures are inherently incapable ergo violent toward each other and that is not cool man uh, I don't know why you would do that yeah. I, I, it's not great uh, I don't know it's I get that the uh, the guy from the Kunari, the Arashok, is first off the leader, and it might be his fault. But then we are supplanting, like, <laughs> the social for deeply personal, which is not great either. Hey. So yeah, I don't know. So the very unfortunate reality of it all is that at the end of t- Act Two, you are essentially like. Yes, the Kunari are the ones that started, which is also not great, but you are retributing them off the map, um, which gains you the title of champion. And I'm like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> that's that's not cool, man. You saved I'm the sure... city from the violent foreigners. Yeah, I'm sure that like a culture that's inherently deemed lesser by a foreign species as well and wiping them off the map with any kind of retribution and social rep- uh, uh, reprehension whatsoever, surely is a thing that wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't con- uh, aspire to be featured into a certain RPG that was very successful this year. <laughs> I'm sure that 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 thing that's the thing that belongs to the past, right? We wouldn't dare dream like. 
we wish. small scale genocide the undesirable races anymore, right? We that will never wish. happen, eh, Baldur's Gate? Anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to that. But uh, it's just very, it's just bad, man. It's just, it feels bad. Once again, it is thingamajigged away by the book and Isabella and um, later on in the other game, there are some lines said by Farrick about it. The good, good companion Farrick um, <laughs> with his crossbow. And he has a weird relationship with. But otherwise, we love him. Um, <laughs> we do. Love Farrick. We love him. Uh, but yeah, so moving on on to like, uh, uh, go ahead. How about you just get the Sebastian stuff out of the way, and then we can I can get on to the good stuff. That's, uh... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I thought I think that like it's uh, you know it, it's not a new storyline. It, it's I, I think the thing about Sebastian and, and so many of these storylines for every arc pretty much say for the first um they all have the same ending they all end the larger conflicts in the exact same way pretty much um at least in terms of consequences and it is just you know it it, it doesn't feel as much of an rpg right um i think that's that's the sad bit so it's like you know sebastian regardless of what happens he'll be the heir you know he'll rule the, the other the other place um Regardless of what you do, oh, the Kunari will attack. And, uh, you know, big no-no. Oh, whatever you do, Templars and Mages are going to kill each other and no one's going to win because huzzah. Um, And it's just... It feels a lot more closed off uh, in a way that I I don't know. I don't think Mass Effect even felt like that. Maybe for free, but at least it ends... Uh, this one has this. It, we we pick it up in the sequel, so it's like, oh fuck. Anyway, um, well, in Mass Effect, people treat each other badly, but those people are still a people, and we don't see anything as wholly subjugated. I think, at least, um, as the mages in this narrative. Yeah, it, no, it, I mean, I mean, that's in... not present. Like the the Krogan are hard done by, and definitely oppressed by, like you know, the literal. Uh, like st- uh, uh, science sterilization, <laughs> bad. Well, but we, they are still people. Yeah, I mean, we could like I, I, Mass Effect does it even better with like the Batarians, um, which suffer massively, but are still like, yeah, no, what you did was fucking terrible, Shepard. Um, which is nice actually. Uh, but yeah. the thing is that. I feel like in those games, even when they don't, choices feel like they matter a lot more. And Dragon Age Two, I the, you know, when when I finished, I was it's like, the there was no way that this could have gone differently, right? Like that's how I felt. And then when I looked it up, I was like, yep. It's like, yeah. Thank you so much, game. Thank you for basically not allowing me any kind of meaningful choice to the larger storyline at play. So it feels like, yeah, the the, the, the meaningful storylines are the side ones. And even then, some of them are just like, well, shall we get to Meryl then? Um, I will say then, uh, because Meryl is going to be like the final <laughs> thing that I want to say about the whole mage thing. Um, it's that the this narrative would have maybe worked if mages were an institution onto their, onto their own, but they are not. 
they they are subjugated to the chantry as we have as we are as we have been saying through this entire time. If they were like on equal footing and not you yeah. know, liberal and equal the, footing. If the if the if the Templars were just the militant arm of the chantry and that's it. Yeah. Um and the mages were just an institution onto themselves, that would have been so much more interesting because then uh Meredith, the knight commander of the Templars, and Orsino, the head mage, would have just been power brokers. Yeah. And that would have been a lot more interesting, especially within a singular city that would have suited this narrative very fucking well. But sadly, <laughs> we already established in Dragon Age Origins that uh, magic, uh, as they say, magic uh, exists to serve men, not rule over them, which is their defining uh, like tenants, I would argue. Yeah. And therefore, uh, mages are subjugated. That's the main reason. Uh, that's... Yeah. Sounds familiar for certain Christian rhetoric. I will not, I will just say that. <laughs> no, not, definitely. Maybe not just Christians, but uh, I we cannot deny that the obvious inspiration for this was Christian and not other Abrahamic faiths. Oh yeah. But um, yeah. Anyway. So yeah, no. Uh, just just to wrap up that point, like, uh, could you imagine how much more interesting would it be if like the circles were self-organized and not imposed yeah. on the outside? Then you could think of like blood magic as like internal conflict between mages and not mages and and even then it's like oh this this is a matter of the circle like the circle dueling empowers the Templars and they talk about like, like jurisdiction and like who has like you know but we are here to solve this yeah but this is a mage it's like this we are we organize ourselves and whatnot it's that would have been like actual two different sides and a lot it could it could be in balance but like at least the sense of autonomy could make it a more balanced storyline where where it stands we're talking about one power subjugated by the other and yet somehow they're the same and you know the the subjugated one should react and conform otherwise you know they get mass executed because that's a thing templars can do so i suppose that should be mentioned yeah, the right of annulment. We talk a bit about it in the previous uh, in the Dragon Age Origins episode. Yeah, but we could have very easily just have said, "Yeah, it's Kirkwall. Things are different here." You know, exactly. Like, oh, they have exactly. different history. We could and have. There was nothing really standing them. There was nothing standing in the way to do that. Yeah, like really, like <laughs> the game, like juggles with different canon timelines back and forth because. <laughs> We we have such widely di- diverging endings True. at the end of Origins. So this little retcon would definitely for like literally fixing the main issue for us at least uh, with the game is 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 like why not? Um, yeah. So I then we have so once again this whole blood mage thing is handled very poorly. We just show up to like a guy just doing blood magic out of nowhere. Uh, just it, it really feels like that mission is shoehorned in so that you don't have to feel bad for wanting to side with the Templars. And if you, I need you to understand, if you at any fucking point want to side with these pieces of shit, <laughs> you just need to feel bad. You just you just need to like you're a piece of shit. Like if you think they are right, like I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Not if you want to see. Oh, let's see what this content path like leads to. Because I I, I did it in my third playthrough back in the day. But it's it's just you know, it is literally there to like enable oppression. And that yeah. feels very gross and 
feels very counter to the at least somewhat how do we say this um nuanced takes we saw in origins yeah. and it all comes to a head with a very special person that we met in awakenings uh awakening awakenings awakening awakening um awakening <laughs> thank you uh anders anders is back yes Yay! We 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 like him, right? Or... I I like him. I I though I did I do feel that this game d- did did dirty the the other character. Well, one of the other characters from Awakening. Justice. Which is, justice. <laughs> I justice. feel like they did. Ju- this game did justice poorly. Justice, my boy. What have they done to yeah. you, my boy? I uh, mean, they, he got corrupted. Yeah, um, which I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Fair like, enough. The the whole point of justice. Is what that he wasn't, he couldn't. It's like, oh, but he did. Oh, then what's the point? You know, like I, I feel like it defeats the point of what justice was supposed to be. And it's like I don't, I, mean, I don't like this downward arc. Yeah, I mean, I guess spirits are definitely they kind of function like uh, Dracula from Castlevania. <laughs> they are a more emotional creature um, that just kind of get like goes crazy a lot more easy because their emotions are a lot more tense uh, or intense well do and... we do we get examples of any other spirits other than justice to this point of the story i mean once again a pride demon is a corrupted spirit like demons are nothing but corrupted spirits oh okay okay uh yeah it's it's yeah we get into it in the next game ah right but, i um... thought they were like separate creatures or whatever it is not handled exceptionally well but it is in one of the... Uh, there are a couple of hints in the many fucking codexes the game uh, throws at you that uh, I sometimes read, so I, I happen to know a little bit about it. Thank um, you for your service. But a certain bald elf tells you a lot about it in the next ah, game. The slappable yeah. one. The slappable one, yes. Because he's bald. No. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so, Anders does a... Uh, well, let, let's have a discussion about that. Um, how about you t- t- uh, talk us through what Anders does and how you feel about it? So, um, Anders is, a, you know, he's an apostate. He's not part of a circle. He's against the Templars, always has been. And Grey Sorry? Grey Warden. Grey Warden, exactly. Uh, he became a Grey Warden basically to not be <laughs> an apostate like that. Uh, and to have some sense of independence and a, a purpose for you, for him. But uh, the thing is that in 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 this situation, like he, and I think he's correct. Or all he says is like, you know, the the majors are being killed by the Templars. That that it's literally what is happening, or being made tranquil, which pretty much the same, being lobotomized. And you know, we we can die. Both unforgivable, terrible punishments exactly (laughs) we can die slowly or die quickly now Uh, we can accept a long enduring slow extermination or we can actually you know strike back and resist and you know uh, fight for our own autonomy independence freedom and and you know and it's pretty much like there can no there can be no compromise like yeah it, it is given this situation in kirkwall like we need to actually decide. We need to act upon this. 
and, and you know, uh, that's what Anders does. He forces a, a position of no compromise, no balance between these powers, uh, which, you know, I, I don't... Uh, against him, I, I think, like, there, there was no kind of compromise anymore. Like, he he pushed things a bit quicker, but, like, I, I think that was kind of inevitable in Kirkwall, given fucking Kirkwall at this point. But what he does, he blows up the, the, the main cathedral in the city with everyone in it, uh, including, uh, what's her name, the priest? Um, Mother something. Amelia, I want to say? Amelia? It's pretty sure. Maybe. Um, Doesn't matter. The leading archbishopess. Yeah, which was nice. <laughs> which, you know, is one of those things in these games. Like, she's not she's not a zealot. There is a zealot, uh, but you can uh, get her killed in the previous chapter um, if you're a decent human being. And and so it's like, okay, like the, the, it's supposed to be like this balancing force, whatever, but it's not working anymore. And what Enders does is uh, he, he blows it up and kills everyone in it. And um, I, uh, you know, I, I support Enders. I, I, I think like he's entirely right in everything he did. But I, I, I don't like the fact that he blew up a church and killed everyone in it. <laughs> I, uh, hmm. I really don't like that. Um, because, um, uh, you know, it's, it's um, yeah, I, I, I don't like... Yeah, I, I don't like blowing up religious buildings. Um, yeah. Much less when there are people in it. Uh, yeah. And, you know, again, she she, she was nice. Uh, I don't know, I feel like you kind of, like, drugged her or something. Uh, and it would drug the people, get the people out of the building, and then go boom. Uh, less a statement, yeah, but, you know. Or, you know, kidnapping. Kidnapping would have been nicer. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, he kills everyone, blows up the church. Uh, a lot more dramatic that way. And yeah, I I think I'm more frustrated with it because it's a circumstance that will always happen. It's, again, when I played, I was like, "This always happens, right?" Um, again, I to bring back Pentiment, I felt similarly, but I feel that Pentiment did better with it. Like, there's all the tragedy would always will always happen, and that's life. Again, that's that's also a lot more realistic of a video game. <laughs> Um, whereas this one is a lot more magical. So, you know, uh, but I feel like given that how you're, you know, you're supposed to affect the, ca the companions and be a part of these companions' lives and affecting them, the fact that you have no control about any of that, it, it feels like, you know, the game wants to give you a sense of, you know, you're affecting these characters' lives, you're being a part of them, you're helping them in their, in their journey or not. And um, yeah, there's just nothing you can do about this. This is just one, an inevitability of the story in this game, and I I I was bothered by it. I I, I didn't like it. Um, again, I I still think that everything and said about it is a hundred percent correct. It's like the mages are being exterminated, and you know it's you, you do everything you can to to resist that and fight that. I uh, still still do like you blowing the cathedral with everyone in it. Yeah, didn't you kill him for it? I did. I did. Okay, yeah. Important detail you have not chosen to commit to record. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I I I don't I don't like it, but yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, um there there are definitely some points on which we agree. Um of course, I am very much against uh Blow, uh, 
harming uh, places of worship. Yeah. This goes against some very firmly held beliefs of me of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this place of worship as a concept is not accessible to those who are oppressed by it. And yeah. it's for, for Anders, it's literally the cause of unimaginable hurt. Yeah. The path that he has been through. Yeah. And I, when I look at Anders, since I already mentioned him, um, I am reminded of, uh, I'm kind of sad with the, none of us brought it up on the Castlevania episode, but I'm reminded of Dracula's speech mm. um, saying like, oh, I'm going to kill all of you. And they're like, why? And like, not, not directly, but like, um, Elucard, I believe, is like, oh, you shouldn't do that. And he's like, no, any one of them could have risen up and said, no, don't do this. We won't behave like animals anymore. And I feel that sentiment. True. That, that's, that is Dracula's strongest argument, I think, in that entire show. Anyway, we'll stop talking about Castlevania right now. But yeah, you're right. I think but, it's but, applicable here. I, I, yeah, I feel this. Uh, I feel the strength of this argument of this thing that is pointed out resonates strongly through Anders or justice or vengeance or whatever, whatever we're going to call it. Um, so that is such a emotional and at the same time intellectual trump card for me that <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, at this point, if we look at the tally of like how many mages were hurt by the Chantry versus one mage blowing up a couple of worshippers in the cathedral, uh, I uh, you're right, uh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> um, then I I feel at the same time that like the only thing that I think Anders could have gone could have done differently is maybe wait for like. Make it a more clear action-reaction scenario, as in the Chantry slash Templars do a terrible thing, then shortly after blow it up, because then we see it less as isolated incident, incident, but as a des- as the desperate act of fighting back that it is. True. And true. <laughs> there is no, and I, 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 as depressing as it is, there is no, um. <laughs> There is no civility to be had between oppressor and oppressed. True. Uh, so I, yeah, I it's it's difficult. So I would have <laughs> the only thing that I would say is like, if there was a different target to hit, I would have preferred him to do that. But there isn't. Not really. True. Right. Maybe the barracks of the Templars. That would have been cool. That would have been a much better idea, right? <laughs> but but narratively speaking, I understand why it can't be. That, that, so, yeah. you know, the, the, this is where we have to understand that we are still talking about a video game here. True. But, uh, so, but yeah, no, I think that would have been a stronger point, maybe. Um, but you're right. It does I'm, happen, like, out of the blue. It's like, yeah, the situation is escalating, but it's like, yeah, no, I decided now is the time to, do, to destroy this. And it's like, and okay. I would have loved more vigilante. So what I would have done is I would have created like a vigilante mage that is secretly Anders, like this evil Batman type figure <laughs> that would like forcefully uh, make a Templar be possessed by a demon or something every single time a mage is tranquilized. Mm. Or like, you know, because that, 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 then we get into some, some very juicy stuff. Uh, <laughs> RPG makers call me. 
Anyway, so <laughs> I got some good shit. Trust me. No, but in all seriousness, he does. He does. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. No, but in, I'm 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 kidding around here. But I do feel like this game could have been so juicy. It could have been so good. Could have been so tantalizing. It could have. just move around some pieces here, and it chooses to not only not move around those pieces, but those pieces then are slotted into a narrative that is very. Not good, man. Not good. Not, very bad vibes all around. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I spared Anders because I feel it wasn't Hawk's place to judge him. I deny Hawk's singular authority. Uh, th- I respect Hawk as a member of the community, mm-hmm. as a you know a community member with merit. I <laughs> I don't necessarily believe that it was up to him to judge that so yeah. i didn't do anything and therefore let him go which made sebastian very angry it, it, um, i can't imagine it would he's pretty pissed about the whole thing he's pretty pissed about the whole thing i sebastian didn't do much for me uh, i like his armor it's really it's cool. cool anyway so looking at the time as well i'm going to talk about meryl and that will probably be it uh meryl has uh just to top off this blood mage uh thing Meryl has the uh, most interesting relationship with blood magic, I would argue. Yeah. So there is this point where Meryl is from this clan of elves that live directly outside the city. Once again, the <laughs> the uh, the veil between uh, uh, historical medieval substitution is so thin we could call it glasses. Um, it's, <laughs> it's 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 glass, uh, crystal at this point. But okay, sure, whatever. Um, so she has this very interesting relationship with her her uh, elfish counterparts, her, her contemporaries, and this counts. Uh, this goes into the elements that we talked about about a bit earlier. I described her as uh, bookish and so forth and so on. And she like definitely like studies a lot. Like she reads a mm-hmm. lot. She knows a lot. Yeah. Uh, she is. Uh, she is learning from the learned person. <laughs> the keepers, as they are called, they are called keepers because they keep the lore, they keep the history. <laughs> Think of it as a sort of rabbinical function or more priestly iman type function. Yeah, within the society, they once again, I would love to get more into. <laughs> I would love to know more about the dynamics of the tr- uh, tribes within elven societies. Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. It, um, well. What, what what do you think about the whole uh, uh, that that very specific Danish clan? Do you have any strong feelings about it? Um, their conclusion is very interesting. I would argue, like that's the main thing I want to talk about. Uh, oh yeah, no, I I, I want to talk about that that, that her final yeah. quest or per- yes. quest line more generally, uh, which is where we we end up. But I like I to, to what you were saying. It's like Meryl is interested in the history of her people. And she goes about it in a <laughs> uh, respectfully historical manner. Um, I respect it because, yeah, she she listens to those traditions and, and she pays attention. But she also goes looking for other sources and other other pieces of history and and wants to understand the history of the Dalish peoples, which is really really ancient. And there's so much that has been lost. And whereas the keeper says like, "No, this is dangerous. This is that. This is that. And the other." And it's like, you don't know. We do not know. All this has been lost. And at the end of the day, 
uh, Meryl's point about like what this thing is, she's not wrong. Um, I feel like the game and the questline do her wrong so terribly because we know what the thing she's trying to do is. Like the, she's trying to re restore this relic, uh, which is like a broken mirror, an alluvian, uh, which is like a transporting mirror. <laughs> That's basically what it is. And it's like, oh no, but it's evil. It's like, it's not. It's just a device. Um, but it's like, no. And everyone's like, oh no, but she, she's wrong. She's trying to go about it the wrong way. Uh, so she gets pretty much excluded and exiled, really, at the end. Um, at the end of uh, the day, at the very start of the questline, where we have her exiled. And it's... Um, I, I like Meryl a lot. Like, she is dedicated and, like, she wants to recover at least a piece of this history. She wants to understand some more of the, the history of Dalish. And she's not afraid to go after it. And taking risks that are maybe unreasonable, but are extremely well justified. And I, uh, you know, if, if the game gives plenty of arguments against blood magic, then Meryl gives plenty of good arguments for blood magic. Hmm. Okay. I, I I definitely agree with the summary of it all, <laughs> what, what you said. Um, I, I do have a slightly different conceptualization I would give. Oh, do tell. I I find it I find a bunch of things very interesting about exactly that with the history element. I'm like, yes, I like it and I understand it. It's a very compelling narrative for, well, for for a bunch of reasons. I might get into, might not get into, I don't know. <laughs> but. Um, I find the role of her teacher, Min Minathara, Minathara, Min, um, the keeper, her teacher, the keeper. her mentor. Yeah. Um, I find her in so many ways less responsible than Meryl, just like the way she's utilized and so forth and so on. Like, you know, like camping on this mountaintop that it's clearly like, you know, you notice the demonic, uh, demonic presence is there. The fuck? Like, <laughs> it's just... Just I don't know. I I love the mirrors. They're very spooky and interesting, and they're mirrors. I don't know. Mirrors are always good mystical objects. I don't know why. It's it's good. <laughs> good shit. Love it. No, let me let me start off on positive notes at least. What I love about Mira is that she did maintain a system of checks and balances while undertaking that riskier element of blood magic. She literally asked Hawk to join her uh, when she undergoes this challenge. Yeah. Oh, and so that you know Hawk can fucking kill her. If it goes wrong, which kudos to you, Meryl. That is some severe strength of character right there. Yes. That I have not seen in a lot of RPGs. And I love that. This this timid girl has so much like uh chutzpah, so much like <laughs> courage, so much like, you know, character to her. I love it. Uh, and when she is so underrated by so many people. Yeah, and because you know a lot of people like like oh she's not hot enough or whatever like like at the time it was really gross, and it's like you have Isabella you dumb fucks anyway, um it's yeah like come on, uh some people harassed the main writer of Dragon Age on Twitter and like called it a sausage fest I don't know what that means, but okay, uh there are an equal amount of man and woman romanceable options, so I don't know what the fuck you're on about, but that's not in there. I think that person was just probably dealing with some effect from <laughs> with some reflections that he finds Fenris and Andrus kinda hot. But um <laughs> it's which fuck fair enough. But uh True. moving on. It's it's so 
this 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 like hey i'm gonna do this and you're gonna need to go with because i'm being responsible about the risk of love magic um this is not to say however that there is no blame to be levied against meryl oh yeah it is after all still a very risky undertaking and hawk might not be able to kill the demon um <laughs> and but but a more interesting thing is exactly so the thing that I want to conceptualize differently is mm. the is this search for history. Mm. Because this search for history is not just a search for history, because it has a um, direct, diverging social reality. Now, what the fuck do I mean with that? <laughs> um, it's <laughs> it's um, she sacrifices the connection with her people and with like with with her contemporary culture for a history that she thinks she can obtain. True, and we see in this action that this resignation from the culture leaves a metal-sized hole through which the true shape of her present can be seen. And I think, like, that's so hurtful. Uh, that that oh, that hits me like right 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 in the heart chambers. Um, <laughs> of which I have three. Um, it's it's <laughs> I think, but it's uh, I I oh hmm. It's good narrative. That that's good narrative. So that I'm is. perplexed that the writers can do a horrible, this horrible Templar mage conflict narrative, but can have such a interesting deep narrative for Meryl. I'm honestly perplexed about that, and I'm, I'm like, how did that come to be? Explain, explain. I don't understand. Um, and I don't know, like her. As as you know, I understand that you approach it might be maybe slightly differently as an historian, but as someone who endlessly approaches things endlessly, I emphasize <laughs> through the social lens, like the contemporary social lens, like what where do we go from here is my internal question. Um, I I see in Merrill like um, this desire that I think is placed upon a lot of well marginalized people. Mm-hmm. And how do we navigate where where we go from here after we've been so severely oppressed? Where do we go from here? And this anger that we feel of being maybe taken out later on someone else and like in like malforming us into something different altogether. It's <laughs> it's um well I don't want to be too blatant about it, but I don't think it's irrelevant based on current things. Uh, that's that's all I'll say about that. It, it's a very heavy thing, and but it is a thing that is facilitated through the lack of always the lack of solidarity, and what I think every marginalized group's strength is. Um, once again, the clear donors for the elves are Jewish and Romani people. Yeah, and I think the strength. Um, you know. Uh, I I hope I'm allowed to say this, but I think the strength of these groups of people have always been their solidarity with other groups. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like right wing uh, national governments that like helped uh, Jewish people during the rise of the British fascist union or the British Union of fascists yeah. with the black shirts that stormed the streets and like were attacking Jewish people. It was a labor movement people who stood side to side with um, Jewish people and like, you know, uh, have forged that connection and stood together shoulder to shoulder to combat those fascists and effectively so, I might add. Mm-hmm. And and 
this is always how minorities or marginalized people have safeguarded their future together. And I'm not, <laughs> once again, I'm a bit uh, consumed by, once again, current geopolitical affairs. I'm sorry for that, dear listener. But um, <laughs> I think, once again, Merrill's desire to see this kind of slightly functionally reactionary conservation of Dalish people, the elves in this case, can lead very much to bad ideologies. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't want once again, I'm not levying that against Merrill in such a direct way, but I do think Merrill is engaging with a process that can lead to that. That's all I'll say. Otherwise sure. I'll just talk in circles. But, um, <laughs> That's what I meant with like the true shape of the present. Right, say. right. That that makes sense. Yeah, because I, I think I, I look at it because effectively what what, what the Dalish have, have lived and experienced is a loss of a past in like a lack of memory, of knowledge of who they were. And that past isn't necessarily good, but that past is, is a part that shapes their present, I, I think. And that I, I find the denial of that extremely dangerous as well. Um because it both, you know, sort of ignores that's like, you know, oh, but we, we could never do this or we could never be that. But it also, uh, you know, forecloses possibilities. Like, this is who we are. This this was our culture. This was our, this is who we were, right? Um, and, you know, it, it opens up possibilities, I think, that that historical knowledge is significant. But I do think you're right that it's um, it's not a neutral process, right? Like that that can be taken in a very fascistic, nationalist sense. Um, I, I think that is, uh, unfortunately, a little obvious to that. But it it can also be, you know, a source of hope, a source of understanding and of growth towards a, a different kind of future. And, you know, I'm, I'm, in principle, I'm always against any isolation or closing off of the past. It's like, you know, that no, that's not important. No, that's insignificant. No, that, that is. On the contrary, that is always significant. That is always important. Uh, in one way, yeah. shape, or form. Um, no, yeah, definitely. And I don't mean like sectioning off yourself in a introverted, extroverted type of way, but mm -hmm. rather you need to like have a like correspondence maybe with some other keeper apprentice with through letters or something or through your little magic mirror or what have you. Um, <laughs> or like, I don't know, whatever magical means. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. I find that I you need to like, you know, not do it all yourself Fair. the ideal situation would be the clan or at least a part of the clan all together focusing on recovering that past and meryl choosing to be like stealing herself away from that and like once again like i said this sacrificing of the people around her uh, even up to a point her social relationship with ferric and like hawk and like we see notes in this conversation about like, oh, oh, come and have a drink with us. And she's like, no, no, thank you. I will just do this. Um, I, I think it's heartbreaking. And I think it's yeah. done very subtly mm. and very gracefully. Um, true, true. A certain gracefulness that I once again cannot find anywhere else in the fucking game. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, once again, I'll just keep talking to her. So I'll shut up. <laughs> I, mean... I, I, I do love that part so much. No, I think I think that's a really good point. I think you're right. I think then the the, the logical conclusion is the the end of her quest line, which I think sort of kills away the ambiguity of it all. 
which is where yeah. all of this stands and makes me so pissed off. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of... I'm not going to lie. I It's been a while since I played this game, so first of that. But yeah, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the reminiscing of conceptualizations and struggles within culture, within and without of it, um, I kind of forgot that we do another genocide. Not necessarily. <laughs> well, well, well. We do a cool mass murder. Well, again, not necessarily. Uh, it, it's not that difficult to avoid. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, sure. No, but that's not that's not the problem, I think. The problem is that, oh, lo and behold, the, the mirror was haunted, and uh, no, you shouldn't do that, and there was this spirit that was going to uh, ambush you and take you out, and oh, blood magic is terrible after all, and you were wrong, Meryl. Uh, I feel like that is what undercuts quite a bit of Meryl's storyline. It's like, um, it's not a clear answer of the good or the bad, right? It's like, there are dire and tragic consequences to what Meryl has been doing to herself and to her relationship with her community. And, uh, however, the the fact that, like, at the end of her questline, it's like, oh, she's gonna go in and, and chat with the demon whom she, you know, did deal with to help her fix the mirror. And, you know, if if she was there, like, before, or before, like, the Keeper, I, I checked, uh, it's Marathari. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so no sorry. worries. Thank you so much. Uh, trying, to, trying to find a way to, to put it into the, the, the conversation. Um, but, but she was there before, it's like, oh, she uh, accepted the demon into herself to allow, um, so Meryl wouldn't get corrupted and you wouldn't have to kill Meryl. So the Keeper is sacrificing herself because, oh, Meryl was wrong in doing blood magic tragic um and, and i feel like that's like uh, it it's like yeah no meryl was being naive meryl was being wrong yeah this enterprise needs to be abandoned and, and so on and i feel like that is so tragic and so awful for her storyline that's like it, it's you know we we see her trying to do this and you know who could have known it was all worthless and you know her clan lost someone really important because of it, and, you know, this enterprise is probably not worth it, and so on. And I hated that. I hated that so much, because I was like, I, I didn't expect an easy resolution, but I was like, that was one of the worst ones, I think. And after that happens, you, you run into the rest of the clan, and you can, like, if you pick the right option, they'll be pissed, but leave you alone. And if they, if you pick the wrong option, you kill the, the rest of the clan, which is terrible. And I feel like that's such a an anti-climax that's just so depressing. It's like, I don't know, we, we didn't need to have any kind of climax to that. It's like, oh, the, the mirror is fixed and, you know, we, we don't know what's next. Or, oh, we um, we had to hurt Meryl or something. Or, I don't know. But it, I feel like that was the one of the worst possible outcomes. Even if you had to kill Meryl, that would have been a better outcome uh, than this. Because, like, it's just... Oh, taken all the agency, all that she's been doing, all that she's been trying to do. Yeah, she was wrong. She was being foolish. She was being naive. Everyone was right. Or most people were right about her. She was wrong about it. And I feel like that pissed me off so much. I think that's one of the things that made me angriest about this game. How that storyline ended. Or how that quest line ended. Fair enough. What do you think about it? No, no, no. I I, I agree. (laughs) I once again I, I do think we kinda ran out of time on that one as well. And I once again I agree and already 
pretty much said what I think about <laughs> that quest line in general or the main insight I had to present about that. Uh, if there was nothing else that you wanted to talk about. I no, no, I think, again, I, I feel like we we touched on all the points of what what kept me annoyed about this game, which is the the, the two sides, this, like, this, this non-committal aspect to it. It's like, oh, it's, it's the Templars and the Mages. So it's the Blood Magic and, and Meryl here. It's the Kunari and, and the Kune in general. And yeah, it, it, it's a game with so much potential. Like there's so much that's like could have, if taken a little bit differently, could have been so much more interesting and maybe not even satisfying, but interesting, engaging. And we don't. We don't get any of that in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a that's the somber note we promised to end on. Hey. Um, the this the dispersuading note, I think we uh, we need it. True, we fulfilled the, uh, our promise. Yes. <laughs> Just as ordered. Um no, but yeah. Uh, thank you so much for yeah. listening. Dear thank listener, you so much for listening. Always. And we will see you in the holiday month. Yay! The twenty twenty three is almost done, but we are not. Christ! Yeah, no, no, we we are not. <laughs> it goes so fast. I remember last this. Never mind. No, no ending the episode. <laughs> Thank you so much, the listener. Thank you so and much, everyone. Take care. And we will see you very soon, probably. See you very soon, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, my God.